God, take our ears and hear through them. Take our minds and think through them. And take our hearts and set them on fire. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Well, we have uh, really been looking forward uh, to this Sunday and to the start of a new season here uh, at Portland Mennonite Church. I mean, Sunday school again. What a blast. The energy and the wonder of the children that they bring uh, to this space, to our congregation. Uh, next week, the MYF, the Mennonite Youth Fellowship, the high schoolers, they're going to go on a retreat out at the coast with their sponsors and with Kurt. Haven't been able to do that since 2019. Uh, next month, the MCC Fall Festival, Mennonite Central Committee Fall Festival, is going to be in person again down at Albany on October 8th. And on top of that, I even saw that there's a forecast for rain later in the week. So this is really starting to feel uh, like the first uh, normal-ish uh, sort of fall in about three years. Now, we're going to be living with COVID for the foreseeable future, but uh, we're kind of, sort of, getting back to normal. And so this fall, as we, as we uh, re-engage, as we're getting restarted here at PMC, we're going to do a series of uh, sermons on Sundays on everyday faith, uh, how do we follow Jesus as we're settling back into normality? Uh, after COVID, what does faith look like, not just on Sundays, but, but every day? So we're going to have a series of how-to sermons. Next week's going to be how to seek the peace of the city. Uh, I think there's going to be a sermon on how to do the laundry, although, ironically, I don't do the laundry at my house, so we'll see about that one. Uh, how to eat, how to talk about tough topics, how to read the news. But this morning, uh, I thought we'd start with how to go to church. Uh, after all the disruptiveness of COVID the last couple of years, uh, the truth is this morning, some of us are, are new to PM PMC. We've never really been through this drill in a normal fall. Uh, some of us, maybe a little out of practice. And, uh, and truthfully, some of us are not so sure about going to church anymore, period. And for all of us, COVID um, has changed church. There are fewer of us in person, although today there's more of us in person. This is pretty cool. People are joining online. That was never even a thought in our minds before COVID. Uh, some people watch the service later in the week. So, how do we go to church now? Well, for most people, most of the time, uh, we think of church as a place. I grew up going to church in a place like this. It's a place that we went often, Sunday mornings, Sunday evenings, Wednesday nights, Friday nights. Now, I'm, I'm older. I just turned 63, so my memories go back a little farther than some of yours might go back. But then it was not unusual. A lot of people went to church a lot. Well, over time, things have changed. And even before COVID, going to church was, was waning, right? Fewer people identify as religious. There's a lot more to do on Sunday mornings. I remember talking, uh, I was on a sabbatical a while back, I talked to a priest at uh, the Church of Ireland, and he lamented that in his parish, uh, many people, the only time they ever went to church was, as he put it, to hatch, match, and dispatch. You go to baptize kids, get married, and be buried. So, you know, with COVID, uh, before COVID, uh, going to church had been kind of waning. Then COVID hits, and none of us came here for a year and a half. Well, now some of us are here, some of us are online, some of us are going to watch later. But the way that all of us experience and participate in church is, is changing. So, how to go to church, 
Maybe more basic, what do we mean when we say church? Maybe more problematic, why go to church? What makes church meaningful? What makes it worth the bother? Well, if you've gone to church much, you know that there are a lot of metaphors in the scriptures for church. Church is the body of Christ. It is the family of God. Uh, The most common word, uh, Greek word, in the original text that gets translated as church is ekklesia, which interestingly meant originally, it was the word that was used to summon troops to assemble. So there's that image of church as an assembly. But in the book of Acts, uh, the earliest followers of Jesus, people, uh, people that had known Jesus, had loved Jesus, had come to trust Jesus, they were called the people of the way. And I love that image, people of the way, because it holds a sense of movement, of direction, of purpose, of a trajectory. The church is going somewhere, but not just anywhere. It speaks of the hope and the challenge and the promise of following the distinctive way of Jesus. Jesus who said nothing less than I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus who showed us, who embodied for us what he promised is the way of true life. So church is a community of people who are striving to follow the way of Christ. And to follow the way of Christ because we trust, we hope, We believe that he has shown us what God intends, what God intends for each of us and in our families, for our city, uh, for the whole wide world. So churches, first of all, it's a way of life. It's a way of living together, a way of living with our neighbors, a way of living amidst God's creation. And you hear that in these words from Romans that Paul wrote chapter 12, let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, contribute to the needs of the saints, extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Rejoice with those who who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Do not overcome, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's just not not just on Sunday mornings in a place that we call church, but every day, in every place. So church is a way of life. It's a distinctive way of life. Of living. It's the way of living that Jesus embodied, a way that promises the hope of peace in our hearts, in our homes, in our community, even on peace on earth. It's a way of living that pushes us to do God's will on earth as in heaven. It pushes us to give more and to trust more and to love more than we can sometimes imagine on our own. It pushes us to give our lives away in service to others, to forgive the ones who've hurt us, to love even our enemies. And so this way of living, at times, is going to stand at odds with the other ways of living that are embedded in the conventional wisdom of our culture. The individualism of our culture teaches us to take care of ourselves. The politics of this country teaches us, the politics of our our country teaches us that the U.S. is exceptional and that we ought to be very wary of any other people from any other country. Our economics teach us to treat everything, to treat everyone as a commodity, valuable only insofar as it can be productive. History teaches us that white is superior. Our media teaches us that violence is is necessary for any good thing to happen. But Jesus promises that there's another way, the way of true life, the life that God intends for each of us and for all of creation. So, Church is a way of life, and then second, church is a community. And I want to say it's a community 
of friends. You know, in the Gospels, the thing that Jesus talked about most was uh, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And when he talked of that community, it's clear that everyone is welcome, that everyone has a place. It's a community that's not determined by, by biology or geography. It's a community that's not circumscribed by family or tribal or cultural or national boundaries. It's what Martin Luther King called the beloved community. Everyone's welcome. Everyone has a place. Everyone has what they need to thrive. And to thrive in the midst of a thriving, sustainable, healthy creation. Church is meant to be the embodiment of that kind of community. It's a community that is grounded utterly and essentially in the love of God. And so it can't be imposed. It can't be forced. Although through the years, a lot of powerful people, a lot of powerful institutions have tried to force people to be members of the church. But that's why I like to think of church as a community of friends. None of us can choose the families that we're born into. Uh, in our jobs, our bosses can force us to work with colleagues, although, parenthetically, I really enjoy working with my colleagues. But friends, well, those are choices that we get to make and connections that we choose and relationships that we savor. Church is a community of friends. And it begins with the friendship of God. You know, back in the fourth century, St. Gregory of Nyssa said or wrote, the one thing truly worthwhile is becoming God's friend. The one thing truly worthwhile is becoming God's friend. What a lovely invitation. Not an angry God, not a judgmental God, but God as friend. Friends are the ones we like to spend time with, talk to about everything. They're the ones who tell us the truth. They're the ones who make us smile. They're the ones who don't give up on us. We're invited to be friends with God. And then you know how a friend of a friend becomes your friend? That's sort of how it happens at church, too. Because we're friends with God, we can become friends with each other. And honestly, in church, I made friends with people that I never otherwise would have met. That's one of the coolest things about going to church. So, church is a way of living, of living together, of living together in the city, of living in, together in the midst of God's creation. And it's a community of friends. Friends who are striving to live the kind of life of love and mercy and peace and purpose that Jesus promises is possible. But what does it mean here? What does it look like here at Portland Mennonite Church now? How is church a way of life for us? Well, it begins by finding our way, by getting ourselves oriented more and more toward Jesus. So a big part of what we do when we go to church on Sundays, whether in person or online, or even if you're watching this later in the week, uh, we read the scriptures. I mean, today we heard the ancient wisdom of Paul calling us to contribute to the saints, to extend hospitality to strangers. Paul's pointing us more and more toward what it means to follow Jesus. We confess our sins. We say our prayers. We ask for grace for a fresh start, the strength to do God's will on earth as in heaven. But truthfully, finding our way is always a challenge. It's a challenge to figure out what it means to follow Jesus here and now, in our time, in our context. And it always will be. You know, six years ago, um, as a congregation, we were trying to figure out how to follow Jesus uh, when it comes to sex. We were trying to decide if our pastors could bless same-sex marriages. Well, that runs counter to most of church history. That runs counter to what many of us learned growing up going to church. 
It was not an easy discernment process. In the end, we said, yes, it seems good to the Holy Spirit in us. You can read about it on our website or feel free to talk to Kurt or me. But in the midst of it, I remember saying to the congregation, in the midst of those hard conversations, I remember saying, this is church. This is always what church does. We're trying to figure out how to be faithful. And then I said, whenever we're done with this conversation, something else is going to come up. Something else that we're going to have to wrestle with and pray about and probably argue a little. And now we're talking about race. How it's impacted our history. How it still shapes us. And that's not an easy topic either. But that's doing church together. And parenthetically, to help us in that conversation, our Racial Justice Committee is going to lead a class later this fall in a book called uh, Dear White Peacemaker. So keep an eye out for that and I hope you can be part of that class. But this is how we find the way, how we find our way, how we get pointed more and more toward the way of Jesus by listening and praying and reading the scriptures and by staying stubbornly engaged. Sometimes it will seem like there's more questions than answers. Sometimes it will seem too open-ended. Sometimes we'll wish for more certainty. We'll wish the pastor would just get up and say, thus saith the Lord. And the pastor is sometimes tempted to do that, by the way. But all of the time we trust, as Jesus promised, that the Spirit will guide us into all truth, that the Spirit will point us toward the way of Jesus. So it begins with figuring out how to be faithful to the way of Jesus and then doing it, right? So here at PMC, there's plenty of places to jump in, plenty of places to find your part, plenty of places to to join up. Uh, Sunday school. Sunday school just started. If you missed the memo earlier and you'd really like to help out with kids, uh, Denise, Susan, Melissa, Kurt would be glad to hear from you. And I know you'll have a great time doing it. It can be something simple. It could be buying bags of groceries next week and bringing them uh, for us to take the main spring. Or buying school supplies for MCC uh, uh, school kits. This fall, the really heavy lift at Portland Mennonite Church is Family Promise. Uh, if you're new, we're joining, a, we're helping to form a consortium of churches here in the uh, Metro East. Uh, every church is going to take four weeks to host families who are experiencing homelessness. First families are showing up here two Sundays from now, uh, September 25th. This is an all-hands deck, all-hands-on-deck kind of a project. So we're going to hear more about it later on. There's a sign-up in the back. We kind of need everyone. But it's not just what we do here at church, not just on Sunday. It's what we do every day, right? As families, as neighbors, as friends, as coworkers, as citizens. And so as we're gearing up this fall, as we're getting busy, as we're settling into patterns and habits, it's a good time to think about our choices and our priorities, what we're doing with our time, with our money, with our energy. Do we have ourselves oriented toward the way of Jesus? What can we do to get ourselves pointed more and more, even incrementally, toward him? And then second, what does it mean for PMC to be a community of friends? I actually just read an interesting article on on friendship. Did you know there are apps to make friends? There are dating apps, but there are apps to make friends. One of them is called Bumble BFF, which I guess is best friends forever. I did not know this. But the writer of this article had contacted people who used the app to make friends. She interviewed a hundred of these uh, friendships Uh, people in these friendships. She wrote 100 articles. She called it the Friendship Files. And then at the end, she wrote a summary article. It was titled, The Six Forces That Fuel Friendships. It was in the Atlantic back in uh, June. These are the six. Accumulation, attention, 
intention, ritual, imagination, and grace. Accumulation. As she wrote, the simplest, most obvious force that forms and sustains friendships is time spent together. Attention. You have to be open to it. You have to be looking for friendships. Intention. You have to be purposeful to sustain friendships. Ritual. It helps to bake it into your schedule. Every Friday, we're going to meet for coffee. Imagination. Friendships can take a lot of forms, take you a lot of places. And grace. Grace. We're all doing the best we can. Be gentle with each other. Be gentle with yourself. Now, it was interesting. The writer of the article wasn't religious. She she was pretty clear about that. But uh, what she wrote, to me, sounded like small groups at church. So there's an announcement in the bulletin about small groups, uh, the people to contact if you'd like to become part of one. So there's a structure here for becoming a community of friends, but it's not always programmatic. Sometimes it's just a shared task. Show up for family promise and wash dishes. You'll make some friends. Uh, Sometimes it's just parents watching their kids play in the playground after church. We can help a little, but sometimes it's just showing up and jumping in. Church is a community of friends. So let me finish by just talking for a moment about that word, community. In the way the writers of the New Testament talk about church as community, it's clear uh, not only that everyone is welcome, but that everyone is needed. And everyone brings something. All of us have gifts and energy and uh, wisdom and talents, and all of it's needed. So at Portland Mennonite Church, we think about church as being a co-op. We lived in Lawrence, Kansas for a while. We were part of the Merck co-op there. It was a grocery co-op. REI, a lot of us are members of REI. REI is a co-op. Co-ops are owned and run by members. Now, some churches operate a little bit differently. Some churches operate more like corporations. There's a lot of hierarchy and a lot of staff. Some churches are a lot more entrepreneurial. They're really keyed on growth. Those are the kind of churches where they have an espresso bar in the lobby, which is not a bad idea in my opinion. But, uh, <laughs> and some churches, and I guess I'm thinking more of, uh, more of uh, televangelists, some churches operate more like multi-level marketing. And I mean that in the worst possible sense of that phrase. We're organized like a co-op. Everybody owns it, and we need everybody to run it. So we want everybody to find your place, to find your part. And if you don't, you're probably going to get a call. That includes everyone who's not so sure about going to church anymore at all. You know, COVID disrupted uh, the habit of going to church. It also shook the faith of some of us. And I know because I talked to you. I know some of you are uh, more agnostic these days. You're less sure about a lot of things. Uh, Last week, I talked to someone who's decided they're an atheist. You're still welcome here. We still need you here. As a pastor, uh, I can't think of a better place for agnostics and atheists to hang out than church. So, okay. I don't know if that was an agnostic or an atheist back there, but welcome. I'm glad you're here. Um, Some Sundays, the sermons might be a little too much for you. Sometimes the Bible uh, stories might be more than you can believe. But we still need you to bring casseroles for family promise. And we still need folks to bid on quilts at the MCC Fall Festival. And we need people to get out and organize for Measure 114 on the November ballot to reduce gun violence in our state. Uh, You don't even have to call it doing the work of the Lord. Although that's what I'm going to call it. so. So, how to go to church. Church is a way of life. It's a community of friends. 
But this place right here also matters too. This hour on Sunday matters, whether you're here in person or joining us online or watching later, because it's Jesus who shows us the way. Because we trust that it's the Spirit of Jesus that will be with us still, especially when two or three are gathered in his name. You know, sometimes it's tempting for us to reduce what matters in life to what we can do on our own. But compared to the vision of Jesus, the vision he has of the kingdom of God, of the beloved community, we can end up settling for too small. Sometimes we're tempted to try to follow the way of Jesus on our own. It's really hard to keep up with him, though. It's easy to run out of steam, to give up, to give in, to become apathetic or cynical. And that's why we gather here in this, this meeting house. That's why we go to church, to get reoriented toward Jesus, toward his way. Jesus is the north star of our faith. It's to find hope and strength and wisdom and peace and the courage and the patience that we need. And then we trust that having gathered here, the Spirit goes with us as we leave, goes with us into the rest of life on Monday and Tuesday and every other day. So I'm really glad you've come to church today. Amen.